Hello and welcome back to AHP's Off The Record. My name is Enna. And my name is Jo. And we are interrupting our usual order of proceedings to discuss something a little bit different this time. We certainly are. So normally our podcasts are focusing on specific AHP professions, but today we're going to draw our attention to a very specific clinical area that not many AHPs know much about or work within. Exactly. So today we are talking about careers within mental health, but also this summer in the southwest of England, there'll be an AHP student roadshow encouraging AHPs to be to consider a career in mental health in the future. We're very excited and grateful to be joined today by Carly Atkinson and Chloe Edgar and they're going to talk to us about their experiences working within mental health and also the roadshow itself. So Carly and Chloe, do you mind introducing yourselves? Yeah, thank you Anna and Jo. Uh, So I'm Carly Atkinson. I'm a dietitian qualified for the last 16 years and working in NHS for that time. In my clinical life, um, I work as half-time head of profession for dietetics at Gloucestershire Health and Care Trust. And the other half of my time, I provide the dietetic clinical cover for all of our inpatient psychiatric and learning disability units in Gloucestershire. Um, But at the moment, I am on secondment with Health Education England in the Southwest. And I'm working as the AHP Clinical Fellow in Disabilities and Autism. Lovely. And Chloe? Hi, my name's Chloe. I'm a second year student occupational therapist studying at University of the West England. Perfect. Thank you, guys. And as Joe said, thank you so much for, for joining us. And I think maybe we'll get started with we'll get started with the main questions now. So, Carly, our first question is for you. Um, would you mind telling us a bit more about your clinical background and your journey into your current role? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I graduated from the University of Surrey in 2005. I took my first job up in the northeast in Gateshead and worked there for a couple of years um, doing quite a generic role. So GP clinics, outpatient hospital clinics, uh, ward work, um, and then um, came down to work in the black country to specialise in eating disorders. Um, So I worked in community eating disorders, um, providing outpatient care alongside um, mental health nurses across Walsall, Dudley and Wolverhampton, so three different trusts. And at the same time, I also got my um, uh, MSc in advanced dietetic practice as well at Coventry University. The opportunity then came up to come and work in Gloucestershire, which was where my husband worked at the time. So that was quite convenient. And that was a new role. It was part time setting up the eating disorders day treatment unit in Cheltenham um, and part time uh, developing the dietetic service within uh, the mental health trust at the time down here. So that was pretty busy. Um, it's quite interesting. The Eating Disorders Day Treatment Unit was one of the first in the country to provide just group therapy. So no one-to-one work whatsoever. And we also lucky enough to have an on-site chef. So the menu planning and things were quite, quite good fun there. Uh, and uh, in terms of the sort of uh, dietetic input into the rest of the trust, there was obviously all the nutrition policy work to do, uh, supporting um, catering staff, staff training. Um, as well as um, obviously all of our um, inpatient caseload as well. Then just before the pandemic, uh, the Mental Health Trust merged with our community uh, trust and uh, there was a bit of a a change in structure and the opportunity for the leadership role came along. 
Uh, I took that um, alongside um, the inpatient uh, psychiatric caseload um, and had been doing that over the pandemic um, and also completed um, uh, Franklin's uh, Leadership Programme um, Award as well. Uh, when the Health Education England um, opportunity came up, uh, I thought, oh, it seems like a good next step. Um, and I've been working there now for six months um, as in, in the 12 month fellowship role. That's amazing. It's really quite diverse. And also you worked in quite a few different areas as well. Would you say that was there any particular part of it that you enjoyed the most or were surprised that you enjoyed the most? So I guess I quite like the um, the fast pace of um, patient um, psychiatric, uh, probably more working age than older adults, although I cover both. Um, I also really like the learner disability setting. So um, autism presents lots of complexities in terms of um, the foods that people choose to eat. So um, I find that really interesting. And um, it's a very sort of person-centered approach, which I really like as well. And how have you found the transition going from such a clinical role and an inpatient role to then being based in Health Education England and presumably I would imagine entirely non-clinical at the moment or? Yeah, entirely non-clinical and working from home as opposed to having gone into a hospital setting, um, you know, for the last 10 years. So, yeah, it's it's quite different. Um, I think um, at the start, um, I, I loved it. Um, I loved the, the sort of change in pace. And obviously, if you've got a, a young family, it's a much it's sort of much le less things to do every morning um, in terms of sort of getting yourself to somewhere different. Um, so that's been a bit of an adjustment and um, not necessarily negative because I think Health Education England are pretty good at, at you know, keeping people in touch um, virtually. Um, but it is, it is an adjustment. And I think I am increasingly missing uh, direct patient contact, if I'm honest. At the heart of every AHP, I think. And I think we mentioned it at the start, but one of the main things we wanted to talk about was one of your I'm guessing one of your projects with Health Education England, which is going to be the AHP Student Roadshow project. So do you mind telling us a little bit about kind of how this came about and how this came to be? Yeah, so the um, AHP Student Roadshow is is one of the, the projects I'm working on for my fellowship. Um, and it really is thinking about the future workforce. So we... Uh, we know that the, the NHS long-term plan is committed to significant investments in mental health services. And we know that allied health professionals should be a, a significant contributor to um, improving the quality of care for people in mental health services. Um, and, and that's obviously what part of my role is, is advocating that within sort of workforce planning discussions. Um, but it's thinking about, you know, who, who will be our workforce who are going into those roles. And, uh, you know, part of my um, fellowship um, and, and some of the projects I'm working on are looking at expanding our range of student placements into mental health settings. But that's easier for some professions than others. Um, and obviously, you know, our, so our, our art therapy colleagues, for instance, will um, be by definition kind of uh, taking a, a pathway that takes them into mental health. But our OTs will, will have a little bit of both, some physical and some mental health. And then our, our students who um, are studying, you know, physiotherapy or speech and language therapy or dietetics uh, may not have any experience in mental health placements. And best will in the world, that's not going to happen um, necessarily soon that we'll get them. So it was thinking really about how to reach those students and give them an understanding um, of, of what it's like to be in mental health services and 
at the same time I was kind of pondering that um, my line manager um, said oh you know there's there's a, um, a passionate student who's uh, who, who's sort of joining the team on a leadership program um, and uh, would you know she'll be your audience she'd be great to involved so Chloe joined the team um, and then um, I also um, was in touch with an expert by experience who I'd worked with previously in recruitment in Gloucestershire and she's um, a fabulous advocate for the role and the value of AHPs in her own recovery journey so she came on board into the team as well um, and we've worked together um, to uh, to develop this sort of 90 minute workshop that we will be taking out and about to all of the higher education institutes um, who train our um, AHP students in the southwest uh, this summer. That's so interesting because I completely agree from thinking back of when I was a student I don't think we were exposed enough to do the prospect of even mental health being a, spe- a speciality so I think this is a really good way to be able to get the word out there and even actually just start getting students thinking about what they would like to specialise in outside of what they would study in their regular courses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's the thing, Not, not. it won't be the career choice for everyone, but it's just so that people can make some sort of informed decisions um, because that you haven't been exposed to all of those environments necessarily. Definitely. And what would you say then are like the main aims of the project? So the main the main aim is is to inspire our student AHPs in the southwest to consider a career in mental health. But within that, there's a few different sort of um, bits of content we want to get in there. We are um, keen to promote an understanding of the diversity of roles in mental health care. So not everybody is aware that you know there are children adolescent mental health services there's perinatal services there's crisis services there's um, older adult services and managing memory services and there's psychiatric intensive care um, assertive outreach you know there's there's so much diversity and whether you like to work in a fast-paced setting or a slower paced setting or inpatients or community there's just so much scope out there Um, so it's it's kind of bringing some of that knowledge um, to students so they have a sense of kind of what, what's available to them. I guess also having a think about some of the um, new um, career progression opportunities that are starting to come through for people. So um, for instance, uh, approved and responsible clinician roles for um, our OT colleagues um, who can be working, you know, at consultant level, supporting Health Act. Um, we've got first contact practitioner roles for OTs working with them. Um, adults with mental health, um, mental ill health in um, primary care. There are, um, you know, increasing um, opportunities for advanced practice and practice, um, you know, for instance, the dietitians working at consultant level in eating disorders. Um, so, so bringing some of those opportunities out um, and, you know, even um, just earlier in, in careers, um, that there's a, you know, real agenda at the moment and a real kind of increased understanding of the role of speech and language therapists um, in working age adult settings and that value of, of, you know, accessible communication for people Mm. and that really improving the quality of care. And that's something that certainly, I, you know, that's not something I've seen in my 10 years working in mental health, but it makes complete sense about it. Mm. And so, you know, just some of those roles we, we also want a dialogue, so it'd be really helpful for us to um, to hear from students what they think are the barriers or the challenges or what perhaps, you know, would, would put them off moving into mental health. Um, particularly, I guess, you know, working for Health Education England, understanding if there's any additional training needs 
that people think think need to be met and I guess then multi professional workshop um, so we'll be delivering it to a variety of um, of AHP students. What we'd like to be able to do is is to to give people an overview of all of the the different roles um, that the AHPs will um, have within mental health services, and um, to uh, to allow people when they graduate, if they decide to go into mental health, they understand what their the roles of their AHP colleagues are the value is they can work collaboratively and in a kind of person-centered way and hopefully we can be advocates for each other as well so that you know if if I rock up as a dietitian on a ward um, and I've got no access to physiotherapy um, I can advocate for that or I can advocate for my speech and language therapy colleagues and, and we know each other's value which I think is really helpful. Are there any any resources that you guys are putting together or any specific resources that you know of that might be helpful for potential AHP or prospective AHPs um, who are interested in looking into going into mental health who might not be in the southwest or in different areas who might not have access to to, to the roadshow. Yeah so um, the, this project is running alongside um, a, a national project which is looking at um, raising awareness um, of the role of AHPs in both mental health and learning disability settings. Um, so there's um, been some videos produced recently, um, and then they're also developing a toolkit, um, which covers exactly that. So um, if you keep an eye on the um, Health Education England national website, um, then you should be able to track those things down. So I think, Chloe, it's time to hear a bit of your voice on the podcast. Um, <laughs> So you're a, a student OT. It would be great to hear a bit more about why you decided to study as an OT. Um, initially, I was actually um, studying dance in London. I got accepted into a dance school and that was sort of my uh, career. Um, but uh, some sort of personal um, decisions were made to move back home um, and it kind of left me back to square one again. Uh, thinking oh my god what do I want to do what do I want to do in a career um, and when I was sort of researching all of this I came across dance movement psychotherapy um, now dance movement psychotherapy is a master's course so I needed to be able to get a degree in order to do that um, and the one thing that I was facing was um, sort of the lack of uh, scientific or like science A levels because all of it was very much you know level three dance diplomas and um, other qualifications I got in that area so when I came across occupational therapy um, the interviews were very much based around your own experiences um, of what you've had in your life and what you can bring to that um, profession uh, so we were given like situations or uh, that we had to kind of um, answer um, and from that I then got accepted into that degree um, and that's kind of how that led me to OT um, and on reflection as well you know dance was such a massive part of my life um, and obviously that's an occupation so <laughs> it made perfect sense. And can you tell us a bit more about your student journey so far so what sort of placements have you been on what have you been enjoying? So I started my um, degree in the midst of the pandemic. So the first, um, well, up until now, actually, so the first year and a half has all been online, um, except my first placement. Um, 
it's been really interesting going online. Um, I have ADHD, um, so it was really helpful for me uh, to be able to keep moving around and, you know, just being up and active and doing something that was also stimulating me in the background. Obviously, other for other people, that won't be the same. Um, but also, I did miss, like, my friends. Um, I, we're quite lucky with social media that we're still able to keep in contact and have a, you know, a chin wag with each other. But... Um, yeah I didn't we've missed out that like student experience of seeing one another and like just that general discussion after a lecture you know sort of that summarizing and stuff like that um and also um my second year um I applied for a leadership placement um in, in UWE in partnership with 150 by the Council of Deans um and so I got accepted onto that which was really exciting and we just had our graduation sort of uh, day today so that was really exciting um and uh through that we were given um coaches um my coach was Carrie Biddle um she's absolutely ph phenomenal and um she uh connected me to Carly um, with this amazing project um, and that is how I've been in contact with Carly and that's how it's all kind of stemmed off from there so it's been a brilliant experience. So Chloe what has your experience been in terms of the variety of placement and opportunities that you've had so far? Um, so I've had two placements so far my first placement um, was in stroke um, I was very fortunate to be able to be on the wards um, COVID, um, obviously COVID guidelines and things like that were still around, but um, it wasn't too harsh in the ward that we were working in. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was physical rehab, but um, reflecting on it, there was no um, sort of mental health access or, you know, services, um, which I think is quite important because, you know, having a stroke is a massive change in someone's life. And especially the ward I was working in, you know, they'd be living in this public ward. So no privacy, no nothing for two, almost two months. So that's obviously a massive change in their lifestyle. And I think, yeah, there was no mental health services or access given. Um, my second placement, and I've literally just finished it, um, was in learning disabilities um, and unfortunately COVID um, has affected um, seeing clients. I haven't actually seen my clients face to face which was obviously such a shame um, but it was it's been a brilliant experience and it just shows how complex and how much variety you get with different clients um, it really makes your mind tick because it's there's not always a simple answer and there is a massive multidisciplinary approach as well um, things like psychiatry psychology physiotherapy LD nurses social workers you know every you know a lot of different people um, so that was a really interesting experience too I wonder, did you find it difficult in terms of you talked about, obviously it's a shame not being able to see your 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 clients or your patients in, in person. Did you find in terms of then having to adapt the way that you were doing and leading your sessions? And did you find that quite challenging or did you quite enjoy the challenge? Um, I have learned about myself. I'm definitely someone who likes to collaborate with the clients. Um, that is really important to me as a person and so um 
I missed out on that aspect. So it, yeah, it was quite hard for me to sort of come up with intervention ideas and um, implement them when I've actually never met the client. It felt a bit impersonal, but at the same time, you know, that's that's what COVID has also created for us. So we've just had to work with it. And you mentioned reflecting on your stroke placement and thinking about the lack of access to mental health services. Did you know very much about opportunities within mental health before starting working on this project? Um, funnily enough, um, me and Carly were actually talking about this because my original um, interest was to do with dance movement psychotherapy. And naturally, that is a mental health service in that aspect. I mean, it can be used for physical health as well. Um, but that was my initial that's what grabbed my interest um and during university there have been physical modules and also mental health modules um but um for example when we were doing filming i've had so many interesting people that we've filmed um with such amazing stories and uh, the setting that they work in so i'm learning on this project as well it's been a really good experience because i've i've learned during this project and it's also my first time doing a project as well so um carly's been brilliant with teaching me all these things <laughs> and you've kind of answered it a little bit but i'm just wondering in terms of what do you think the benefits what are the benefits to working on this project with Carly? You've mentioned a couple of personal ones. Is there any other kind of benefits you've noticed? Um, being in a team of people who share the same interests and passion. And I think it's amazing how far you can go when you surround yourself with people who have the same values and interests and aims. Um, and we have such interesting discussions as well. I love it. It's also, like I said, it's my first experience of being on a project. So it's it's a lot of soaking up for me I'm like a sponge <laughs> but also just being able to share my learning with other students as well um and I'm able to sort of speak to people in my year and sort of get feedback on what they'd like to hear about and um feed that back to Carly so, yeah. I think that can be a really really useful tool for for the rest of the team as well having someone who's actually sort of within that that group of people who are really going to benefit from from this project and this service yeah so are you balancing being part of the team with also full-time student life um <laughs> it's full-on but I wouldn't change it um I've got a few other projects on the go as well and I think um you know part of this leadership program from the university it's just been so life-changing um it's like another world that's the only way I can describe it and it makes me think, how did I not know about this world of amazing projects and research and things like that? So, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm the most organised person on earth, but <laughs> I wouldn't change it for the world. So coming back to you, Carly, is there anything in particular that you'd like people listening to know about the project or how to get in contact if they think they might be interested? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just reflect on what Chloe just said there about the value of co-production and that I'm learning um, in the same way that Chloe is all the time. And actually a lot of the things we're tackling together, um, like the films that we've made, which are going to be content for the roadshow. Um, you know, we that was the first time I'd um, sat down and, and done filming as well. So, um, you know, it's been it's been a really interesting learning curve for, for everyone involved, I think. Um, and, and yeah, a, a real kind of eye-opener in terms of how being part of a, a co-produced work can really benefit everybody. The the other thing I, I kind of say about the, um, in answer to your question, sorry Joe, um, about the roadshow is that we're hoping that um, it will be a vehicle for the future. So as much as we are concentrating on um, delivering information around careers and mental health to our students um, this year, and, and obviously that's not every um, AHP discipline, it, it, we, we, we've picked those that we think it's probably most, most relevant for at the moment. But, you know, we hope that the AHP Student Roadshow can focus on other things in the future. So, you know, I'd love to do one around learning disabilities, but I can also see there being one around research or leadership, which, you know, Chloe, <laughs> Chloe could advocate for that one as well. <laughs> uh, you know, health inequalities, paediatrics, whatever. Um, I, I hope that, you know, looking back um, in sort of five years time, um, actually, uh, it, it will be a vehicle that can bring lots of different information to our students across the southwest and be really valuable. No, definitely. And I actually think this might be the last question of the podcast. And it's actually addressed to Carly, but Chloe, if you can think of anything too, then please do add. But what would you say to anyone considering trying to move to work in, in mental health? Do you have any top tips? So I would say that whether you have the opportunity to do um, a student placement or some shadowing, um, a bit of bank work, um, a rotation, um, or, you know, you're, you're thinking of, of sort of getting stuck in and taking on a permanent role, I would say absolutely do it. I think, you know, it's, we're all so aware, aren't we, of, of how intertwined mental health and physical health care are, and that, you know, you, you can't just separate them out and treat one thing in one place and one thing in another. Um, our physical health depends on our mental health and vice versa. And so I think, you know, if you've got the opportunity to have some experience in mental health care, and um, that um, has the potential to give you a bit more knowledge and a bit more confidence so that you know when you're seeing somebody struggling with for instance uh, self-managing a physical health condition and and you're able to kind of recognize that actually it might be an anxiety or depression which is causing that for them um you know if you're able to and understand trauma-informed care um, if you're able to recognise signs of mental and ill health and and know where to signpost someone onto or refer onto what services are out there, then you know you become a better clinician yourself. Um, your patients are going to have better outcomes, um, and ultimately, you know you're going to provide that properly person-centred care that we all aspire to as allied health professionals. Very crucial, and actually, working in every setting, it's so relevant to have those skills. Um, and just to be knowledgeable about what services are hopefully available in the area and as you say be able to signpost our patients in those directions. And I also think as with any kind of speciality there probably isn't enough um, AHPs in in 
certain specialities, especially within mental health. So I think your roadshow is going to open the eyes of a lot of students and hopefully inspire some already existing AHPs to kind of to, to consider a consider a job in, within mental health or at least maybe at least look into it a little bit more. Yeah, hopefully. Well, I want to thank you both. Thank you, Carly. Thank you, Chloe, for for speaking with us. I know this was a slightly different podcast for Joe and I, but I think a very, very relevant one. And we're really happy to be able to support and promote um, mental health roles um, for AHPs. And we wish you all the best with your roadshow. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys. So we actually have a little more additional content for you. For those who can't wait for the release of the Roadshow resources, Carly and Chloe have kindly given us some taster audio from their recent filming, which features Martha, an expert by experience, discussing the value of various AHPs in mental health recovery and her own mental health recovery journey. You will hear her talk about the value of access to physiotherapy, which made a dramatic impact on her mobility, body image and self-esteem, and the value of the wider AHP team who worked alongside her during her admission, including an occupational therapist, dietitian, and occupational therapy support worker. It's really a lovely listen and a great taster for the videos to come, so we hope that you enjoy. What I, what, what I got out of that psychiatric admission was something that I would have never thought to have got out of an admission. Um, which was that I transitioned from walking on crutches to sticks and for somebody that's 27 now and actually accessing outpatient services for a physical disability is really really hard because you can't have continued support you have to have a goal in mind and once you've reached that goal that's it and if you don't have a goal then (laughs) you can't be referred and it's really odd because I think you know once I got to that point, you know, I've been in adult services for 10 years and you just kind of resigned yourself to the fact I'm going to be on sticks, can't really get support, and I'm going to be on crutches, sorry, I'm not going to be able to access support, so I'll just, I'll just deal with it. But it is, you know, um, it was something that I remember our first meeting, you would come up to see because I had a fall, yep. and you were coming up just to check that I was all right. And, you know, during that admission, I was really struggling with sort of um, body image and things. And I said, Naaman, could you... I. <laughs> I remember, because I remember the look on your face when I asked you, is there any, could we work together and do something to help my my physical health, my cerebral palsy? And you, you said, Martha, do you know how long I've been waiting for you to ask me that question? About um, 10 years. Yeah, yeah, and I said, yeah, but I'm done. I said, really? And you said, yeah, we can do, and I was just like, oh my God, really? This is so exciting. And I think as well, at that moment, I realised how it really was the right time for me, because physio is never exciting up until that point. Sorry, guys. I didn't find it that exciting. I wasn't that motivated. So to have the opportunity, again, like the right time and from your perspective, having so much patience because <laughs> you must have met me so many times before that. And yeah, I, I would, yeah, it was pretty. And, and now I'm on sticks and I can walk short distances without sticks. And um, yeah, that's pretty awesome. The role that allied health professionals played in my admission was 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 not small i i would i would honestly argue that they are the reason that i that i got through because you all brought something that was so um they were all, it was all different but it was also so crucial you know I, I wasn't eating i wasn't i wasn't motivated i wasn't happy i wasn't i didn't want to be alive 
and actually um, you all held that space like you said you all held that hope you all put up with the rambles the crying and and you all and you all brought your unique skill sets to my to my care and you didn't you didn't leave me and you were able to you know I did actually call you guys my band of Avengers because I did have kind of a lot of people around me that were um, that were rooting for me in different ways and able to bring you know different parts to my MDT meetings where Otherwise, I think medical, I think that, you know, if I can say this, I think that the medics and the, the ward staff would have, would have really struggled to understand because they couldn't have held that time, that space, and um, because of how busy the wards were and stuff, to, to kind of realise what really mattered to me and use that to motivate my recovery. And because I fed myself, I can now feed my dog. I can now walk my dog on sticks. I mean, that is so much easier on crutches i've tried it on crutches it's really hard because they're all clunky and um yeah it's yeah i'm just super grateful and i wouldn't wouldn't have done it without you guys and that's the end of the podcast thank you so much for listening and also thank you for listening to the additional audio content We've added some additional resources within our episode description and also the social media links for both Chloe and Carly. We hope that you've enjoyed listening and we will see you soon.